0: Well, hey, good morning everybody. (coughs) Good to see all of you guys. Um, My name is John Wagler and I'm part of this team here and just so grateful um, that you decided to spend a portion of your Sunday here. And what is a great Sunday, we are uh, here for Share Offering Sunday. How many is your first share? Share Offering Sunday, yeah. All right, cool. Um, this is something that is so uh, significant uh, to our church. Um, it's been one of our core values uh, since we started, and it's this whole idea of uh, irrational generosity and what this actually means. And and uh, we started off this way, and and uh, even in our first year, uh, we just we wanted to figure out a way to. Make sure that things got embedded into our community uh, from the start. And one of these things was like, I "What if every year we did an offering where it was it was above and beyond what we normally give?" And we take all this money and we have like these great partnerships with people, and uh, and then we we give this money uh, away to them to help bless them, help do what they need to do. And and uh, and this year we we shifted the the focus just a little bit, uh, where we're we're looking at uh, how do we uh, Partner with folks that are doing a lot of work with uh, next generation. Um, you know, as we've seen uh, throughout uh, this community and throughout the world, actually, um, that this next generation of folks, in particular, with the pandemic and everything, too, uh, have really gotten hurt and uh, in so many different ways. And so uh, we we wanted to focus on on that in particular. And one of the things that we we have done. Uh, every year we ask everyone to give one day's wage or to consider giving one day's wage and and uh, I realize that sometimes people are in like a really hard financial situation and that's not possible Um, but for most of us in this room it actually is possible to consider one day's uh, wage of giving that and um, and then but we really do want everyone to consider to do all that they can I know sometimes when I say give one day's wage people have been like you know I'm gonna give a week or I'm gonna give more than that or I'm gonna give whatever and uh, it had been a huge blessing uh, to uh, these different organizations and so um, my computer's actually not even working, but um, hold on one second. The devil is in technology. Um, so here's uh, one day's wage. Um, you get for $20,000, if you make 20000 it's 77 uh, bucks. If you are make 40000 it's $153. Uh, if you make 75000 it's 288 If you make 100 look at that. Works. Um, if you make a hundred thousand, that's three hundred eighty-four dollars. If it's one hundred fifty thousand, it's five hundred seventy-six. If uh, you make more than that, you're probably good at math, so you can do more. <coughs> but, um, but uh, I uh, um, I want to also show you like some of the organizations that uh, we work with. Um, you have Airbon, um which is a group that works with. Uh, uh, racial reconciliation throughout the city and even actually throughout the country at this point in time. Um, Extra Mile Pediatrics, who you're going to hear from in a second. The Liddy House, which is uh, a group in uh, Liberia. It's for for women if, and there are a lot of children that are involved in that as well. Um, Free kind, which is human trafficking for Richmond, does a lot of work in um, foster care and a lot of different things like in the city. Uh, Virginia Kids Belong is also foster care. InterVarsity and Chi Alpha, our student ministries. Um, our own Hill City Youth um, Program, uh, we're doing a lot of stuff that's like out in the schools, and we want to do even more in that right now. Um, Camp Hope, uh, which you'll hear from in a second, um, PRC and Pregnancy Resource Center, and um, ACTS, which is a uh, feeding ministry that works with families and connects churches to do so. And so those are the organizations. Now we give to more organizations than this throughout the year and partner with a lot of different people um, as well, but those are the ones that we're focusing on uh, in the SHARE offering. But I wanted you to hear from some of our SHARE partners first, um, and uh, and then I want to, I have some content for you course too but um, let's take a look at this video from a couple of our share partners
1: my name is jeff mapp i'm a general pediatrician and one of the founders of and uh, currently executive director of extra mile pediatrics we are a healthcare organization uh, ngo that takes repeated uh, healthcare to underserved areas in central america what's really cool is because of the way we return to these communities. At least every six months, um, we are able to see those, those impacts play out over time. So in one of the communities we serve in El Salvador, there's a patient who I met, she was really struggling with headaches, fatigue, um, really struggling at school some, and we were able to give her a medicine uh, when we were there that first time, and when we happened to have enough to give her months worth of that medicine. We were We were back there about six months later, and she came up and gave me a big hug, and her mom was saying, and she's sleeping so much better. School's a totally different experience for her. She doesn't have as many headaches now, and it was an example of how sometimes people are suffering with things that are are not quite drastic enough that they have to go have an intervention, but you can make a small change and just make such a huge impact in their lives.
2: Hi, I'm Amy Foley, and I'm with Camp Hope World Camp Hope is a free camp to kids around the world who come from the very hardest of circumstances. We give this like space for them to hear something different. And so they come in and they could experience like ridiculous fun and outrageous love. But more importantly, they could really hear clearly the message of the gospel and God's great love for them. During COVID, the impact was global and the opportunity for us to be able to say yes, we can help turn your electricity back on. We can help with your medication. We can help with some educational costs that were a surprise at the end. You know, we've had all kinds of things happen in the world. As a matter of fact, in Campo, Latvia, in just a few weeks, we're going to have a really amazing number of Ukrainian kids join us, and we're really excited about that. It's funny, once we started running CAMP, everything in my world financially started wrapping around what does it cost to get one kid to CAMP. For us, it runs about $150 a kid.
1: If we're seeing on average maybe 1,200 patients in a year with our organization, for just over $3,500 we can treat every single patient we see. That's multivitamins for every child, that's anti-parasitic treatment for every child, and then also having medicines for what may come.
2: The share offerings have been ministry-changing for Camp Hope.
1: It's given us an ability to grow uh, when we when we really felt like we needed it, and when it really may not have been possible otherwise.
2: I don't know that we're going to see till heaven the full impact of of what every dollar given has meant, but it's it's been really um, it outrageous, and I think it's kingdom-changing.
1: There's no question we're where we are today because of that.
0: see yeah and when Amy said you know we might not know the full impact until heaven someday it's it's so true and um, but that impact comes through generosity now generosity is uh, one of the four things that I talked about last week where uh, when God's doing something new and he's developing like a new movement and we see in scripture, there are four main things that end up happening. That uh, The first thing is that there's a grouping of people who become aware of the way culture around them is undermining the word of God. Uh, the second thing is that there's a small remnant of people that get really serious about this. And then the third thing, which is what we talked about last week, is, is those people get really intense about hearing the voice of God. And then this week, and then the fourth thing is what I want to talk about this week, which is generosity. Um, There's generous generous communities, generous um, partnerships that uh, end up happening. And sometimes when people are like, "Wags, man, do you get nervous about the money talk? (coughs) Or the, uh, you know, talk about money? uh, No is the answer. Um, But the reason is, the reason is not because uh, I, you know, feel so comfortable talking about money. The reason is, is because we see it in scripture all the time. Um, We see uh, Jesus taught it uh, about it. About 25% of his teachings were around money and its impact and and what generosity uh, is. Um, And so I want to highlight some things about generosity that I think are so uh, important to us. um, Because uh, here's what I know. You actually can't follow Jesus without being generous. You can't do it. And I know a lot of times people, you know, might be like, yeah, well, I'm generous with my love. It's great. It's great. And that's true. Like, to be generous with your love is a thing. To be generous with your time is a thing. To be generous with your gifts, it's a thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, but you can't escape the reality of what it means uh, to be generous together as a community um, with actual money and what that impact actually does. And, and so I want to highlight some stuff um, that we see in Scripture. Um, look at this in Proverbs 15, 27. It says, uh, the greedy bring ruin to their what? Hmm. So not just themselves, but their households. But the one who hates bribes will live. Or what about this one in Proverbs 3? Honor the Lord with your wealth. You know, it's interesting. The writer of, of this proverb doesn't say, honor the Lord with your time. Though there are other things that say that too. But he specifically points out your wealth. With the first fruits of all your crops. Meaning, don't give them the scraps. Like, you start off with a generous mindset. Right? So, the first thing that we should do when we get paid is ideally, the first thing we do when we get paid is we're like, what do I want to do with this money? And the first thing should be like, how am I being generous with this first? It's the first, it's the first fruits. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with a new wine um, <coughs> at times of 10 So listen, um, <laughs> he isn't saying Uh, he isn't saying, like, uh, if you give, then you get. All right, I don't want you to confuse this as some kind of prosperity gospel kind of thing. Um, It's, like, what you get out of it is God. And what you get out of our generosity is a heart angled towards God, okay? Then in Malachi 1 and 10, this one's intense, you guys. Um, At this point in time leading up to this passage, uh, the people, God's people, have uh, really... um, when they go to uh, the temple and they give their offerings and they give their sacrifices and everything, um, they're giving God scraps or if not anything at all. Um, They have all these things set up within the community, of what it means to be generous, and God's people have totally neglected that. Um, There are all these other things that the the way the community is supposed to act and how they're supposed to love and how they're supposed to treat widows and orphans and everything, and the people have totally neglected it. Yet, at the same time, at the same time, uh, they would keep their rituals of coming to worship God. And they would sing to God and they would do their sacrifices. But, but they would kind of keep all of their rituals so every, every week or every day that they would do their same little rituals. And, and look what God says to them. This is intense. I actually read this to the band a few Sundays ago. It says, oh, that one of you would, sh- would shut the temple doors so that you would not light useless fires on my altar. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord Almighty. Look at this. And I will accept no offering from your hands. Again, these are, I should maybe do a series of tattoos, non tattoo verses, right? And we like to avoid scriptures like this. Because what it does is it calls us to the forefront and being like, all right, you have to be accountable. And here's what God is is actually saying. And this is like pretty intense. He's saying that people, his his people would come in and worship. And they would sing and they would do their sacrifices. But here's what he said to them. I'm actually not going to accept it. So you may try, but I won't accept it. Because you've turned your back on me in every other way. And so what you're doing is you're acting like you love me, you're acting like you serve me, you're acting like you're one of my people. You might even say you're one of my people, but your life does not actually show it. And so I'm not going to let you play around with my name. I'm not going to let you play around with my people. And I'm not going to let you hurt my people even more. And so he said, I won't actually accept what you're bringing. Now, if you repent and you change your ways, yeah, of course. But I'm just not going to accept what you're doing. And I started thinking about the intensity of that. Like, you you know, you, you read passages like that and you're like, man, and it, it plays with your mind a little bit because you're like, would God do that now? And the answer is, yeah, I mean, yes, he would. When people misuse and make his name common or use him as a political pawn or whatever, whether that's corporately or individually, is God still that intense about how we worship him and how we revere him and how we treat him and how we honor him? And the answer is yes. That's been part of why this whole series has been trying to get us to like dig a little deeper like to appreciate the fear of the Lord, to work out our faith of fear and trembling, to realize the sacredness. I love that song that Natalie and the, and the band were just singing. To think about this, to, to worship God in such a way that you're like, that what's enough is to be in his presence. Like, like that's literally Enough. God, you, you don't owe us anything, but to be in your presence, it, like it's enough. It's enough. And so when we step into this and start thinking about it, it's like, well, hold on a second, man. Is, is the way I'm treating my money, is, is it like honoring to God? Is it worshipful to God? Even G, and Jesus gets into it too. In Matthew six twenty four, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate, hate the one and love the other, or, here's our word, you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and interesting money. This is the only thing he does. He, he never uses wording like this about even like Satan. He, he doesn't ever do that. He's like, he uses money in particular to say, like, I man, the greatest competitor for your attention is actually going to be wealth and money and, and things. And that you can actually begin to worship it. And worship it in such a way that it distracts you from actually honoring and loving God like you should. He's like, you can't do uh, both things. He, he says this in Mark chapter 4, and this is like another intense one. Look at this. He says, still, others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word. right?" So he's talking about like the different, um, in this parable that he's teaching, there are these different um, soils that we can have. And he's like, they hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in, and look what it says. Chokes the word. Making it unfruitful. So, So he would say like, to, to those of us who, we, we don't want to be generous, that the word of God can be, you can actually hear it, but because you're so distracted, what, what the deceitfulness of wealth does and our greed can do is it, it'll literally choke out the word of God, and you can't, you can't hear it. It doesn't sink in. It's intense, right? It's so intense. If you're new here, it's, welcome. Like, it's like, this is like... But I want you to feel like the weight of this. Like feel like the weight of it. You know, as we take a step back and like just look at what's happening and like hearing the words of of Jeff and Amy in that video and and, and like the seriousness of what we're involved in. The sacredness of our time on earth. To be like, I have an opportunity to do something for God's kingdom. I have an opportunity to be present in someone's life. I have an opportunity to make a huge difference. And you might not ever know that difference. And um, one thing that I'd love to, to think about for, for me, and I've shared this with some of our leaders before, and want to be really cool someday, not that you do it for this purpose, but want to be really cool someday to Amy's point about, like, we'll never know until someday in heaven. But can you imagine um, someday you get up to heaven and, and you meet someone and, and they're like, I know we've never met, but I hear you were part of Hill, Hill City Church. And, you know, your community, because of this generosity, had an impact on my life so much that I'm standing here with you today. But the only way that you can hear that is if you live a generous life. Like, no one's going to be, like, up in heaven and be like, man, thanks for taking everything. Thanks for being such a great consumer. So happy you were greedy while we were in want, right? I know it, it's, like, I know it feels intense, and I know it's, like, but it's serious, and, and it's real, And we just have to be uh, honest about it for ourselves. And so this week I wrote down some questions for us to take in about generosity. I was just jotting down a bunch of questions and I was like, all right, who do you want to be? This is probably the first one. Like, do you want to be described as generous? In order to be described as generous, guess what you have to be, generous. I'm gonna talk about how do how do we actually become generous here in just a second. But do you, do you who do you want to be? If you're not gonna be generous, then then I think you just have to answer that question honestly and just say, like, I just want to be greedy and I just wanna take. Just you might as well be honest. Secondly, does generosity make me more or less like Jesus? I think we know the answer to that. Um, are we held accountable to where our money goes? Like, do you, do you think that one day um, we'll stand before God and He'll say something like, uh, "What did you do with what I gifted to you?" And part of that is the money that we have. Um, and, and if you think if we ever think that it's it's our money, it just isn't, right? God is through and in all things. So it's God's gift to us that we have. And so we're held accountable for how we use that money. Um, is communal generosity part of unity within the church? And the answer is overwhelmingly yes. And what's interesting is what Jesus says um, in John uh, 17. He says, like, man, the way that, we will, that people will know uh, that I am like real, that Jesus is real, is through the unity of the church and communal generosity together. Is evidence of a unity that's within the church. Um, is generosity compelling? Is a video like that compelling? Yes. Now, what wouldn't be compelling if they were like, I mean, thanks for the money. It just didn't really do much, right? But like, you hear the story, and generosity is compelling. What's interesting is that right now uh, they did uh, the Barner Research Group did some work with Gen Z. Uh, this upcoming generation that's coming. And they, and they said this, and this is interesting, uh, that the number one reason why they don't actually get involved with a church is because it isn't compelling. Does generosity help spread the message of Jesus? The answer is, of course, yes. Is generosity a form of worship? Yes. Yes. And then this question of, what is preaching more to your heart, generosity or wealth? I was uh, listening to this book uh, recently called gospel patrons which has a bunch of stories about how generosity um, funded all these big movements um, and uh, this guy William Tyndale who um, in the 1500s uh, wanted to translate the Bible into English um, because there were uh, he knew uh, Latin and Greek uh, incredibly well and there were a few there were, I think there were four different phrases that he just really couldn't stand the, the way that it was written in Latin. And so he was like, I just want to translate this in, into English and, and, and so that people can read the Bible themselves and then also so that there will be a little bit better translation of something from the Greek. And so he was just <coughs> excuse me, passionate about scripture. And uh, as he began to talk about this and wanting to, to get this done, uh, he kept coming up into the, all these roadblocks. And so he would translate it on his own, but it takes a lot of money, it takes time and everything. But he would translate on his own, um, and he was kind of putting together this New Testament. But here's the thing about translating the Bible into English at that point in time it was consi- considered heretical, and you would get executed. And so Tyndale, who was this brilliant, brilliant speaker and incredibly, incredibly gifted with people, um, meets this guy uh, named uh, Humphrey Monmouth in 1523. And Mammoth is a successful businessman. And Mammoth is like just taken back uh, by Tyndale, the way he's uh, teaching uh, the word of God and everything, making it so real and applicable. And so Mammoth, who's a a person of great means, um, comes into Tyndale and they become friends and Tyndale shares his heart. And Mammoth decides, um, I'm going to fund this. I'm going to fund this whole movement. And he also got some other business people to get together to, to fund the translation of this. And they knew what they were getting into. They knew what they got if they were found out, um, they would get thrown into prison. It's actually exactly what ended up happening to Monmouth and Tyndale. Um, <laughs> later on, they get thrown into prison because they, uh, uh, they were smuggling Bibles everywhere. They had 3,000 New Testaments printed, and they're trying to get them out as much as they could. And so they would, um, they, would, they would design all of these different things that would be shipped, and they would have like little pockets where those things would get shipped into someone, and uh, they have like little Bibles in there for people to take. So they get found out, and then uh, eventually, eventually, Monmouth is in, in prison um, first, and he's in the Tower of London at that point in time. And word gets out that uh, uh, Tyndale has just been arrested as well. So Monmouth, who has put his whole business on the line, has put his whole life on the line, has given—I mean, just so much money to fund this movement—sits um, there, and it says that while he was there, um, that he—the uh, the story is—is is that he says, "We did it, William." England will never be the same. Tyndale, um, just a couple of years later, um, gets brought up to be executed for translating the Bible into English. And he put his life on the line, and so he goes to get executed, and just before, just before it was his time to, to die, he screams out, Lord, will you open the eyes of the king? Just two years later, An answer to prayer that prayer happened the king his eyes became opened and realizing the validity of what Tyndale was trying to do and uh, then demanded and commanded that uh, every parish uh, underneath his reign would have an English translation of the Bible so that people could begin to read and study scripture for themselves now how did that story start started with someone who had a passion and a heart to see the message of Jesus spread to everyone. And then how did it get moving? Through generosity. Now, I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of people have come to know Jesus through an English translation. That all started with the generosity of someone who saw what could be done to be a part of it and wanted to be about something greater than himself. So when we think about this movement like that, it keeps coming like, how are people for all of history going to describe Humphrey Monmouth? Man, this generous businessman who helped fund the translation of the English Bible. And you start thinking about like, how are we going to be described? Whatever your name is. And you think about, man, how are people going to describe me one day? Do you want generosity to be one of those things? Jesus in Matthew 6, he's talking to about how the pagans uh, worry for every little thing and and that they never have enough and that they're always trying to get more and, and everything. And he says this in verse 13, he sa- or 33, he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. You see, when you think about righteousness, this word here uh, isn't just like right relationship with God, it is about just like narrowly speaking, and what Jesus is talking about here. Um, it's righteousness means um, justice with generosity. You see, when we see injustice in this world, we see it's because of power, pride, and greed. But when you see justice in this world, you see it's because of humility, curiosity, and generosity. And those are the things that end up transpiring in this, in this idea of. Of generosity is so pivotal. I, I actually wish I was telling um, Matt one day in the office, I, we were like just joking around about sometimes how just insane social media is and people who are commenting and everything. And I made this comment, I said, you know, I wish you couldn't offer an opinion on something unless you could prove you were generous. Like, I wish there was some sort of, like, fail-safe that you had to, like, show that you were, you could legally prove you were a generous person before you could comment and give your opinion on something. And I've said it for a long time, and I actually didn't even know it was in the Bible. Um, But I've always said that, like, I wish no one could run for office that wasn't generous. Um, I wish there, you, you, I, I would you couldn't. So I wish we could. There was no way we could support any leader that w- wasn't generous. You know, in Deuteronomy 17, um, it was interesting. I, this week, I, 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 the whole about like you shouldn't be able to run for office unless you're a generous thing. And I mean, I mean like really generous, not like I use a business to to be generous. Or you're like I'm running this year, so I better get my tax returns right. You know, like that kind of thing. I'm talking like legitimately a generous person. And it's interesting, like even in Deuteronomy, uh, and I'll let you see the passage in just a second, but. In Deuteronomy 17, there's this, they haven't had a king yet. And um, what's interesting is they're about to go into this promised land. And uh, and it says there, he's like, hey, <laughs> the writer of Deuteronomy is like, hey, you might want to have a king at some point. It's like funny language. It's like, they, they, it's like the writer knows this is going to happen. He's like, you might want to have a king at some point. So here are some rules. And it kind of goes through all these different rules about like if you want to support a king and who what that king should be like. And it talks about, like, not having a lot of horses and um, uh, that he reads the laws every single day in front of priests. And that he copies them down every single day and, and that um, so that he can be held accountable to all these laws and all these decrees that the Lord has given. Um, there's no manipulating the marketplace and, um, you can't and, and all this other stuff. And then, and then there's this verse in 17. Look at this. That he must not take many wives... So there's this dedication to the reality of of what marriage should be. Or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. And the writer goes on to say it's because these things, like if you're just kind of treating sex like haphazardly and just kinda of marrying a bunch of women, whatever, it's like then we get to see like what your heart is actually like and it'll lead you astray. And if you're someone who like accumulates a lot of wealth, and you're concerned with just commu- uh, accumulating wealth, that eventually you become too proud, and you think you're above everybody else. And it says that you should never have or never support a-, a king like that. I was like, huh. We skip that verse when we're voting sometimes, but but here's what ends up a reality when it comes to generosity: opinions and actions of non-generous people will eventually lead back to themselves. See generosity is always others minded, but if we lead, lead a more non generous or the correct term would be greedy lifestyle, it'll always lead back to ourselves so um, here's I want to give you three really quick things about what does it mean to be generous, and uh, the first thing is this to make a pattern to make a pattern. Um, one of my daughter Ruby's favorite songs, and I'm actually to have you guys um, participate in this song here in just a second. Um, my daughter's favorite song is Make a Pattern, and it gets stuck in your head. And the thing about patterns is, is once you get the pattern or once something gets stuck in your head, it never leaves. So if you ever say something like, Lacey and I have commented like, have we ever heard someone say like, yeah, it's like a pattern. This song comes into our head like all the time because we've heard it so many times from from Ruby, and it's called and it's like make a pattern, make a pattern, let's make a pattern, all right. And it's like banana, banana, meatball, banana, banana, meatball. It kind of goes on like that, right? And there's this whole other one, and so I'm gonna ask you guys to stand because you're gonna participate in this one, because I just want you guys. To be welcomed into our lives. (laughs) But I want you guys to just feel like what a pattern all of a sudden starts to feel like. So go ahead and we'll participate. Hold on. Pattern,
2: make a pattern. All right, here we go, get moving.
0: All right, make a pattern. Make a pattern, let's make a pattern. Okay, here's one. Nod, clap, shake your hips. 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 You nod, clap, shake your hips. Nod, clap, shake your hips. Nod, clap, shake your hips. Bring Good you back. Come on, yo. All right, you can sit down now. So, why is a pattern important? When it first started, you guys didn't do it. By the end you got used to it, all of a sudden people were like, yeah. right? All of a sudden you're like, what is going on with you? But your clubbing days were not that long ago. And, um, but when you get the right kind of pattern in your life, it becomes second nature. And you understand the pattern. You know, even Paul says this in Romans 12. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way that you think. Then you will be able to test and improve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So is the pattern of this world generosity? No. Not even close. Like there isn't like, like companies don't sit there and they're dreaming up like their commercials or their like marketing. they like, how do we make people like more generous? It's not what they do. And here's the thing, sometimes it's really good to read like scripture and like what happens if you don't do something. So like if you don't change the pattern of your mind, then here's what it says, you will not experience the will of God. You won't be able to test and like approve it. You just won't. And so it's like we've got to transform, we have to make a new pattern in our lives. Now, so how do you make a pattern? Well, you pick a starting point. You start with, um, what we always say here, it's like just pick a percentage and start with that percentage and then build on it. <coughs> so we, we, we figure out, like, what's my starting point? A guy named Andy Stanley always talks about, whenever he talks about generosity, he talks about how um, if, you, you, if you gave spontaneously to something, doesn't mean that you're a generous person. It just means you did a generous act one time. So if you, so to be, sh- like in our share offering, if you give to the share offering, you did a generous act, but it doesn't make you, generous per- it doesn't make you a generous person. See, a generous person is consistent with what they do. Um, Lacey and I, we, and, and listen, I wouldn't ask you to do something that, that like, we, Lacey and I don't do as well. And so years and years and years ago, we, we started, now for, uh, if you were raised in church, you probably heard this, this phrase, like, you got to tithe, Right? You a to tithe, um, which tithe means 10%. And, um, and so now am I telling you you have to tithe? I am not actually telling you that. Here's why I'm not telling you that. Um, one, I don't want it to feel like this is some kind of law that you have to tithe. Two, the tithe is actually, if you go back and really look at it, it, is actually people usually gave about 25% when it was all said and done in the Old Testament scripture. And here's what's interesting. In the New Testament, they don't really talk about the tithe that much. And there's really only like one reference to it. And, uh, um, but what they actually talk about is extreme irrational generosity that almost makes the tithe kind of look foolish. And so I don't, like I want to put a command. It's like, no, no, no. That the heart that has to be like established in us has to be in such a way that it's like, all right, I'm going to pick a point. I want to start at that point. And I want to be consistent with that point. I want to be consistent with that generosity. And so, if you don't feel like you're giving and your generosity hurts a little bit, then you're not giving enough. Like, if you don't feel it, then you're probably not giving enough. Um, here's a, so, we make a pattern, we make it Jesus centered. Um, am I saying that you can't give to a non Jesus cause? I'm not saying that, no. Um, but do I feel like that followers of Jesus could, should give consistently to the community that they're a part of? Yes, I do believe that. And actually, you see that all throughout Scripture. You see that all throughout the early church, like that was the rhythm. Well, why is that the rhythm? Because like together with us as a community, like we're trying to help spread the message of Jesus in this community. And so we work together to do this. And we're part of this together. So if this is your home church, there should be an element of where you consistently give to here at this home church. And listen, some of you guys do this wonderfully. As a, as a church, like I want to actually compliment like, us as a church. Like the generosity is so good and you guys are so committed to it. But we should all be doing this together. Think about this. Um, what, what is the main way God answers prayer? Through people. How are people like answers to prayer? Through generosity. And so even the way that this is all um, set up, you know, we celebrated our eighth birthday last week. Yeah, and uh, and you see all these stories and all the ministry and all the stuff that happens like throughout this community that happens through generosity. That's how it gets like funded. Like that's just the way it works. If you dropped your kids off. You know we have staff and everything, and those rooms like they don't. We don't magically have money, right? Uh, it's what is it? It's the generosity of people coming together to try and pro- provide the right environments for folks. Um, here's the last thing you want to look to increase it. So make a pattern, make a Jesus-centered look to increase it. Um, Lacey and I have set out for our own family that every year we we started off, you know. A lot of years ago, together um, we started off. We we're like, you know, we're going to give 10%. And then, but then we made a commitment. After that, that every single year of the rest of our lives together, we're going to have, a, we're going to give away a higher percentage um, than the previous year. And so we we start with our community here, and then we look at other places that um, we can give. You know, when Jesus was talking about earlier about seeking first the kingdom of God and everything, well, here's what he's trying to keep us against, and that's the scarcity mindset that you'll never have uh, enough, which is what pagans do. That's the way Jesus phrases it, that you never have enough. Here's what the reality with scarcity mindset. When we live in a scarcity, we will either sacrifice ourselves or someone else. When I say sacrifice ourselves, um, it means that like we won't fully experience a life with Jesus like we could because we're always just comparing. We're always envious. We're always trying to get more. We're always trying to live that kind of life. Or you might sacrifice someone else because a lack of generosity does not allow the capacity to reach people. And so people get hurt in the meantime. Ban, you guys can come back up. So I'm going to ask you for two things today. Um, one, that you would give to the share offering. If you've never given before, let this be the first time you do that. Um, and give generously to it. We're giving all that money away. Um, that comes in for the share offering, and um, you'll see ways like the QR codes on the seats in front of you will take you directly there, and then we'll send out information on how to do it too. Um, uh, it's on our website. Just go to the give page. Or there's a way to um, yeah, on the pull-down menu. It'll say um, just designate it for the share offering. And I'm just going to ask you if this is your if if you're if you're a visitor here. Like I get it, but if you're like this is your home church, like. That you'd consider a consistent way to be a part of it with your generosity and pick a percentage and start there and then grow it year to year. I like seeing those videos. I've you know watched that video now three times and um, not the make a pattern, the other one. I've watched that video, Lord knows how many times. But I get choked up like every time i seeing the video because, I mean, we get a chance to be an answer to people's prayers. How crazy is it that God sets it up this way? We get to live a life that means something, not just for ourselves, but for other people, that makes an eternal difference. It's wild. We get to be a part of it. So we're gonna sing one last song together that talks about the greatness of our God. And I'll come back up and just close us in prayer. So um, will you guys stand your feet? You can close your eyes and I I just want you to um, pause here for just a second and um, reflect on what God might be speaking to your heart. I think too often we are more concerned about what we can keep rather than what we can give. And too often, we don't actually pray about what God would want us to give. And so, um, I just want you to pause it there and then
1: the band's gonna lead us in this song.